club uh, has everything, every potential uh, to be a big club. Uh, I, for me, it's already a big club, but maybe bigger and bigger club. So we will just uh, make a history with the fans. Uh, I have to say that uh, I'm coming from the streets. So for me, uh, I know what is to be a fan of a football club. So I will give everything uh, to make our fans uh, more con concentrated, more supportive, and uh, we will try to make history with the Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Tigers Down Under. I'm your host as always, Alex. And uh, yeah, we just heard there from our new owner, Arjun Alajali. Uh, so with me, I have to discuss that exciting news. I have Dan. How are you, Dan? Yeah, I'm good. It's good to be back uh, 24 hours after 24 my last hours, appearance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I've also got Logan. How are you? Alex, doing well. I'm, uh, I think I'm most impressed at how much you've been working on your uh, pronunciation of, of oh. how to address the, the new owner's name. I was, I was very uh, intrigued to see how you were going to say it, and it seems like you've been practicing. Yeah, you know what? I actually, just before we went to air, I uh, had a quick Google of it just to double, triple check that I was saying it correctly because it, uh, it is a tricky one. We've heard a few different pronunciations of it, but uh, I think that seems to be the way to go. Uh, look, you know, let's let's crack into it because we've been sort of saying for for weeks now. I think I've had both of you boys on episodes where we said any day now the takeover is going to go through. Any day now, and we've been waiting. We've had dates that we think it's going to happen, and it's it's finally gone through uh, overnight Australian time before the game against Blackburn this morning. Um, starting with you, Logan, I guess. Um, what are you feeling? What are the emotions? The the Alan regime has finally come to an end. It's it's finally happened. We've had a few false dawns before this, and, and it's it's finally happened. So how does it feel? Yeah, I think it's a it's a really good question. It's one that you kind of uh, I was thinking about on the way to work this morning, just trying to process the, uh, I guess the the ebbs and flows and the the false starts and just the, I guess what it means to uh, ultimately the fans. Like that's that's the first thing that just keeps coming back up for me is regardless of, of how he turns out to be and and what direction he takes the football club, it's just this this fresh and breath uh, this. Fresh breath of air that's come in, and there's a, a real uh, sense of optimism and change. That um, you know, it almost feels like you've you've been in an abusive relationship for uh, for a few years. And I know that's extremely dramatic because you know we have to we have to think about it in its entirety. Uh, you know, the the reigns of the Alums was was for quite some time, and, and there's been some really good things that they've done. And I know not everyone likes to give credit for that because there's a lot of emotion attached, but. You know, when they took over in, uh, was it 2014, I believe? or 2011, even longer ago. 2011. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've experienced some pretty impeccable times under their their ownership. And so we've got a lot to be grateful for, uh, despite the fact that, you know, things turned out pretty sour. But as, as I said, I think it's just that renewed sense of optimism around the club and, and the possibility that the fans will return. Um, and, and as a result of that, we'll be watching City play in front of, um, you know, a, a, hopefully a galvanized group of supporters and i think that's the that's the real big thing for me at, at this point in time yeah fourteen thousand this morning um much bigger crowd than i think we've had at, at previous games so really great to see dan i mean the alums are basically the only owners that you've known for city i mean i think you started supporting in that first premier league season under bruce yeah um it must be a bit surreal for you it's sort of that change of ownership and and, and suddenly this fresh breath of optimism how, how do you feel yeah, look, um, it, I'm sort of tempered with, uh, I don't know, this sense of relief that, you know, it's finally over, you know, to, to you know, whether it's that, you know, abusive relationship that's finally ended or or what, but, um, and, and the sense of anticipation, looking forward to, to what's to come. 
I think, you know, Logan made reference to it. There's been, there has been, you know, some great times. There's, you know, what, three Premier League seasons, FA Cup final, first foray into European football. So there's lots of, lots of good things that happen. But the flip side of that is, you know, that the name change fiasco, uh, you know, the, the concessions, the this, that, like everything and everything in between. So it's it's been a bit of a slog, honestly, for at times through this, uh, what am I, close to, what am I about eight years or something now? Yeah, following. eight, eight years. Been, yeah, been some, been a couple of um, few interesting moments, but um, but some really good ones, and I think um, looking forward to seeing what's to come, and hopefully you know some more really good memories. And I guess well, one, one thing we can't obviously forget is that that they did the our first league title in fifty five years came under the regime of the Alums. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, well, yeah, let, let's look ahead then. So, so Arjun's come in. Uh, we'll, we'll, so, so we'll sort of structure this in three parts. We'll look at the, what, what it means for the club itself. Then we'll look at what it means for the, uh, the manager currently in charge uh, and then for the playing squad itself. But, yeah, so just starting with the club itself, uh, new owners come in. Um, in that clip that I played just at there at the start, it, it, it seems that he, he's got a real emphasis on being one team, you know, pulling in the same direction, fans, te- uh, players, staff, everything pulling in that one direction. Seems to be a great message, Dan. We were sort of saying before the episode, you know, you'd hope he's 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 good at saying the right things. He's a media man, but what what do you make of his message and his intentions from what we've seen so far? Look, I think, um, I guess maybe I come from with with following you know the Central Coast Mariners in Australia and them being a small community club. And their whole identity has been around, you know, engaging with the community and that's been their strength. And, and a thing that's kept a club that probably should have folded, you know, a few a few times in, in the A-League for so long. Um, I find it, a, it consider it a great strength if if you're if an owner and a club can actually really value and, and engage in their community. So it's um it's all the good things that I it's a good thing for me to hear that from Ajun. Um, and then I think you just start looking at which, what are the groups that he starts reaching out and contacting, you know, they've, they've got, you know, the, the trust and they've got the supporters clubs and they've got all those things. If he's reached starts, obviously like not tomorrow, but within the next, before the end of the season, even if he reaches out to those different groups, those different stakeholders and says like, all right, well, I'm here. What are you know, what, what do we need to change to, to get everyone involved so we can have, you know, 25,000 at the MKM or whatever its capacity is, um, you know, week after week, because I, I think you said before, like four, 13 and a half or 14,000 there this morning. And that's a great crowd con- considering where we I think uh, we're, we're averaging like 9,000 or something. Mm, so, yeah. But, and I think, um, you know, with, with a strong result to that this morning, I think like that, I reckon, throughout through the rest of the season that should grow and i'd expect to see by the end of the season at least a couple thousand more on top of that yeah that's right um logan um what are your thoughts on on ajun so far i mean i guess not wanting to temper too much of the optimism but we have heard sort of various comments around his potential ownership of the fortuna sitard club um where he was perhaps trying to get quite involved in the playing side of things he's talked about wanting to bring in the turkish players turkish manager things like that does that does that worry you at all? Are you sort of happy to sort of give him that benefit of the doubt, see what see what it actually translates to, what it looks like on the pitch, and, and just kind of go along for the ride? Yeah, it's a, it's a super interesting one, given the fact that, you know, as Dan said, he's, he's come in, he's certainly said the right things, and he has made a real point of 
looking to emphasize that relationship with the fans and 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 to try and reinvigorate a you know a pretty divided fan base i think it's probably fair to say you've got the the stayaways and then you've got the people who have kind of you know kept going you know we talk about the disconnect that we experience over here in australia because we don't have you know the the opportunity to go and watch the game at the mkm week in week out but because he brings that um you know that mentality and if he is serious about what galvanizing the fan base looks like well i think that there is an element that you know he is the owner of the club and we kind of do need to trust that that the decisions that he's going to make in the operation side of things is in our best interest and uh, i guess that the other option of that is you know we've come out of a of a period of <laughs> very much disliking our owners and the fact that we've got someone who comes in and says this is what they want to start with you know, as I, I kind of was thinking, why would you own a football club? Like if you if you were, you know, had the wealth and had the opportunity to own a football club, what would be the, the benefit of it? Because it almost seems like you're renting um, and, you know, yep. in so many ways, your, your landlords are the fans because they're the ones that, you know, <laughs> make decisions on whether whether you're part of them or not, even though you're technically the owner. So I, I'd really like to see, um, you know, what he does do, the the. Uh, personnel that he brings in and and the thinking around you know the football operations and if that does include you know bringing in some turkish players and bringing in some connections that he already has that is going to benefit the club well you know we, we've seen partnerships in the past i mean even when the alums when they were able to bring through bruce you know the egyptian players over and we had you know ghetto and uh Al-Fadi and uh and Elma. with the three yeah that's right. And, and and that was a really positive relationship. I mean, if we start seeing a, a Turkish 11 rolled out and the players just certainly aren't, you know, cut out for the for the task, well, then we'll have a conversation. But it doesn't sound to me like that's the that's the direction. So I, I think I would probably answer that question by saying, you know, he, he seems to, to have the wealth, he seems to have the contacts and some really positive Turkish connections. So let's let's see where that takes us. And I'm certainly, you know, one to to, to buckle up and, and hopefully enjoy the ride. Yeah, certainly it's going to be a really interesting ride. Um, Dan and I were talking just before we went to air about how how quickly we think the ride will start, whether it will start with changes being made before the Bournemouth game or, or perhaps after the Bournemouth game with that fresh air for the week following that leading up to the Swansea game. Um, I'll start with you, Logan. I mean, I, this morning's result makes this a much harder question than it would have been at, at asking it yesterday. But where do you see McCann's future at the moment? Um, in that in that clip that I played to open the episode, um, Ajun goes on to sort of say he hasn't made a decision on um, um, uh, McCann just yet and he'll make that decision in the coming days after a meeting. Um, sorry, actually, what I'll just do while, while we're talking, I'll also add in we do have Mike with us as well. Um, Mike, can you can you hear us? I think you've got yourself muted, but are you there now? Yep, I can hear you guys. Can you hear me? Brilliant. Yes, we can hear you. How are you? Yeah, good, good. Sorry for joining, uh, mate. Yeah, no, welcome to the discussion. We were just about to talk about McCann's prospects as uh, city manager going forward, so maybe I'll get you to kick us off on that. Where where do you see him standing, particularly after this morning's result and uh, his future with the club? The decision's a lot harder. Um, I It's always hard to kick a manager out, especially when you picked up a result against a top six, let alone a top three team in the championship. Um, that being said, you can't forget the previous games. I think he's had two losing streaks. Both have been pretty impactful on our season. 
um, I think it just calls. I think the whole takeover just calls for new management uh, on on like I guess on the pitch and off the pitch. Uh, I am personally for a new coach. Um, I think it could just add a bit more spice, uh, change it up a bit more. Uh, I think we win a few games, then we get comfortable, and then we go into a losing spree. Um, so I'd like to see what. Um, I don't even know how to say his name properly, but the uh, our new owner. Um, I'd like to see what he brings in, who he brings in, but also I think the philosophy will just change as a football club, uh, and that's yeah. what I'm pretty excited for. Yeah, yeah. I was sort of saying to Dan before it. I mean, probably in a perfect world, we we go out and we lose three or four nil to uh, to Bournemouth, and it makes a really easy decision for him ahead of next week. Um, Logan, do you sort of see? Are you, are you sort of in agreement with Mike? Maybe that we just need that that fresh fresh change. I'm still on the fence with this one. I think Mike makes a great point and I, I wouldn't really be upset to see, you know, some pretty uh, rapid wholesale changes. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I think there was a very obvious uh, change in the in the demeanour of, of City. I mean, you couldn't really play worse than that Stoke result. I, it's, it's very rare that you sit in a game and you just wish for it to be over. And that's, you know, the 70th minute mark on the weekend. That was exactly what I was hoping for. I just, I wanted it to be to be done. And then you see the way that the players responded this morning against a very quality side in Blackburn. And you just go, well, it sounds like being put on notice. This, you know, seems to be the the rocket. In a very short, you know, size sample of this morning's 90 minutes, that there is some players there who really want to prove their worth. And, and I think Grant McCann can be, you know, grouped in that as a, as a manager who does want to stay and wants to continue, you know, pulling this playing group in the right direction. So... Look, wouldn't be too disappointed to see him go, but equally, if um, you know, Fajun decided to stick with him, well, I I wouldn't be too upset that way either. Yeah, I mean, we, we had a few links to potential managers uh, a couple of months ago, really, but they've gone a little bit quiet more recently. Dan, um, I, I guess like we sort of look at that first half of the season under McCann two seasons ago. We had Bowen, we had Grzycki. We were basically a point off the playoffs halfway through the season, and then we all know what happened after that. Do you sort of see maybe there's a possibility that with a bit of money, a few better players at his disposal, that Grant could actually be the man? I th- look, I guess, yeah, it's a, it's it is a tough one because you look when we when we obviously had you know those two, and you look at the heights that Bowen's now gone on to achieve, and how, you know he's probably probably as usual sat now that he's left City, going to get an England call up and all that sort of nonsense, um, but when he had players of, of of caliber of that quality you know yes we were within touching distance of the you know or thereabouts for playoffs and and looking towards a very successful season probably more successful than we were anticipating at the time but i guess you know wh- whether they were sold what you know how would he have managed had it just been that bone had done an acl in that season you know it makes that that conversation easy to say, well, you know, his best players were sold out from underneath him. But in an unfortunate world, right, those those players can be gone for any number of reasons. And you still need to be able to find a way to, to work through that and get results. And obviously last time in the championship, he wasn't able to, to do that. Very different looking squad um, without probably that level of star power that, you know, Grisicki and Bowen uh, offered us at the time. But more, I don't know, maybe like a more down-to-earth squad is probably the way to put it. They seem more willing to grind out, um, you know, results apart from 
you know, a handful of games. So what are we, 26 games we've played? And there's, I think, three games I can think of where the performances were, were, were pretty average. And that's Stoke, Blackpool, and there was one other one that I'm... Derby, maybe? Yeah, it could have been the Derby one where we were expecting to perform better. But, um, like, to go, well, three games where you go, that's disappointing. Sure, there's lots of disappointing results. But the performances we've we've talked, yeah, at, you know, ad nauseum about how strong a lot of the, the performances have been, despite you know the results going against us. So I don't know. It's it's a real it is a tricky one. Um, sort of as Logan said, like it, if the decision was made to to let Grant McCann go, it, it would be hard to argue like against it to say that he necessarily like on like 100 deserved to continue. But the flip side of making that the change now is I think there's not a lot of time for a new coach to really, or a new manager to really get up and running. Whereas, you know, if, if McCann even at least gets the end of the season, I think there's enough, I think there's enough within the squad and I think McCann can do enough to secure us safety. I think we'll avoid relegation this season. If he gets to the end of the season, you let him go and you bring someone in, he's got all of, you know, the whole preseason, the whole off season to, to, you know, just decide the way they want to play, bring in the players they want, bring in the staff they want and all that. And they have time to go through that process. I think that's going to be a much better way to go about it than just pulling the plug to, to appease half of a fan base or to just because it's a new day, but it, but yeah, no, like I sort of, I, you, maybe that is the exact reason to do it because just to create a clean slate. I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be interesting, certainly, yeah. Now, Mike, I don't know how long we've got you for, so I thought maybe before you have to jet off, um, uh, you know, we've sort of predicted, we've discussed, we've sort of, I'm denied about when the takeover is going to happen for, for weeks and weeks and months and months now, and you've always been one who's sort of said, you know, nah, it's not happened until it's happened. I you know, need to see the official confirmation before I say anything, get too excited. Um, just before you, you jump off, I thought I'd get your overall thoughts. W- w- how are you feeling? How, how did you feel waking up this morning? Si- oh, oh, he has jumped off. That's all right. Um, uh, I was going to get his thoughts on uh, – oh, his, it looks, sounds like his connection cut out. That's all right. Um, I was going to get his thoughts on the takeover. We'll see if he comes back in. Um, otherwise, I thought maybe we'll jump on and discuss potential new players. I think that's probably the most exciting element of the whole thing. Um, that interview with Ajun this morning, he did finish off by saying there'll certainly be signings coming in this window um, and there'll be good signings, um, which is always reassuring. You don't want a manager saying he's going to, uh, an owner saying he's going to make bad signings. So it's uh, certainly going to be interesting. It sounds like Fed confirmation that the embargo is over. The debt's been repaid to the EFL, so that means that we can make additional signings, which is pretty positive news. Um, I'll start with you, Logan, just on the potential for new signings. I guess... The obvious question, I guess, is probably where do you where do you see as the needs for us to strengthen this window? Yeah, uh, look, I, I feel like this is the prerequisite for any any club is to you know look for for a goal scoring option. We we probably do need another striker. We need somebody who's you know uh, proven or prolific at um, you know at least championship level. I think that's probably the the glaring hole. Um, it seems that particularly when you, you know, buy into some of the transfer rumors, it seems like all we're doing is looking for midfielders. And uh, <laughs> currently in the, in the defensive ranks, I think that there's probably, um, you know, a, a need for, for a defender or two as well. So I think we can, we can strengthen across the board. I, I don't think that this squad in, in any way is complete. I think there's some really quality pieces that currently exist in the squad, but 
um, you know, if you, if you do look at where we sit on the ladder and the, um, you know, our goals for and against, it, it certainly alludes to the fact that we're probably not scoring enough and, um, and, and certainly not defending. Um, you know, we've talked about on the podcast at length about our set piece woes and how uh, defensively we've been, you know, exposed a lot in, in that aspect. So I think that we can strengthen everywhere. Uh, I guess when you hear some of the signings that we're linked with, uh, one of the most difficult things for us as, as fans is to work out that yardstick of, well, how much are we going to spend? Are we looking for those kind of, you know, those 500,000 pound loan spells or we are, we, are we actually looking to pay a significant fee and, you know, bring in a marquee signing? Uh, what I will say is I think it's a huge opportunity for uh, Ajun to endear himself to the, to the city faithful, uh, you know, buying the club inside a transfer window uh, if if that checkbook you know starts to get flashed and we we see some signings come through the door that are you know far above and beyond what we've been used to in the in the past coming you know few years, I think that that would be a very quick way to uh, to to win the fan base over and <laughs> to uh, you know get get in the in the right favour with the fans. So I'm I'm excited. I think that he's it's a really exciting prospect that he can go in and and, and almost pick signings from all over the place. Uh, It doesn't really, we don't have a set prerequisite of what we actually need. Uh, We we need everything. And if, and if he's willing to lead to free transfers. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's right. Exactly. It's going to be, it's going to be a fresh pond that we're fishing in, I think at the moment. And, and look, it was interesting after the um, FA cup game with Everton, where I saw Cenk Tosin got a photo with him. I think just purely because he he knows him and, and as a Turkish player, he was quite happy to get a photo with the Jun, but it's, it's kind of, it's sort of a strange situation or reality to be in where your owner is a bit of a celebrity in a particular country where players could actually be quite attracted to join a club because of the owner. Like you sort of think normally it's maybe the other players you've got, maybe it's the manager, maybe it's the the club itself, but to have the owner be maybe the big draw card is um, quite an unusual one, I think. Um, Dan, I guess a lot of the names we've been linked to so far have been more midfielders, strikers, which I think we do need some strikers in the door. Um, I don't think, apart from that that link to Brian Reynolds, the American at Roma, um, don't think I've seen any defender links. But I think that's probably an area that we need to be looking to strengthen. Yeah, look, uh, honestly, we should do a Newcastle to Burnley. We go to Derby. We do them a favour. We <laughs> let, help them pay off their debts. We take Curtis Davies, and then is it Tom Lawrence, their striker, who's yep. apparently pretty decent? Yep. Take him off their hands. Two birds, one stone. Hey, look, we're just trying to help Lock them out, in that right? bottom three. <laughs> yeah. Problem solved. Um, no, look, I think <laughs> centre-back, we definitely, you know, we've talked, it's been about two years. We've been talking about needing a, a an experienced centre-back to help these young guys through that process. I'm trying to think, what was the last, who was the last experienced centre-back we had? Uh, I feel like it might have even been uh, Dawson or someone. No, no, no. I'm going to say experienced. I mean, like, you know. 30 last plus years old. Last championship season, and we brought him in from, was it Villa or something for the year or the oh, half? Oh, Elphick. That's right. Yeah. yeah that's probably Elphick. I, I, th- I think that could he could have been it. So I do know some players after they leave the club. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think, but like, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Uh, there's lots of links to Turkish players, but I think also like it's easy to get carried away with this idea of, of having this Turkish 11, but the EFL has rules in place to 
you know, they've they've got to be, they'd have to, it would be essentially signing the Turkish international team if that were the case, because they've all got to be at international level to get a working visa to play football in England anyway. Uh, or yeah, and I, and I think, even, and I think, especially since Brexit. Well, actually, I know because Turkey's not even in the EU. So, yeah, it's it's not even it's not even like it's France or something where they're at least sort of connected. Mm. It's it's even yeah, harder. So it's a it's a whole thing. So getting linked with twenty eight different Turkish players. Uh, pff, I I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. But uh, the Pesic or whatever, Alexander Pesic. Yeah, who's I was been just linked. about to ask about him. Yeah, he. Um, I mean, I haven't looked too much, but the numbers look good, and and he's down at a couple of different clubs, which is always a good sign. Um, so, I, yeah, he, I, I was going to ask about. I was going to ask about him because we've got him, we've got Mariki, a few others linked as well. Um, we were sort of talking last night, and and Mitch was saying, you know, at one I was saying with Mitch, it's it's an interesting career path that Pesic has had. He's kind of gone all over the place, France, Italy across to um, Turkey, uh, Korea, all sorts of places to end up, end up in, in England, in Hull, would be an interesting sort of career path. But, Logan, um, we were sort of talking just before about the the sort of the calibre of players that we've been linked to. Um, I think Pesic is one that a few journalists have now come out and said, you know, this is a bit more of a credible link than, you know, your £14 million signings. This is like a £2 million sort of euro signing. You, you, you sort of said before, you know, if we just get a marquee signing or something like that in, uh, do, do you sort of have that sense? Like if we get one or two sort of decent, solid signings in and then maybe spend the rest of the window re-signing our current players to, to new deals? Yeah, well, that, and that's right. And I think that I also saw the the article written about um, the joint saying that, you know, Honeyman's contract is, is one of the priorities for him. And I think that, again, when you talk about looking for an opportunity to endear yourself to the fan base, I mean, George Honeyman is probably, if not, um, you know, the, the most favourable city player among, amongst the fans at the moment. He's, you know, certainly one that that we enjoy watching week in, week out because you you know what you've come to expect from him. So to, to be encompassing, you know, looking after those key players that are there um, and then if you were to bring in a marquee signing or two, I think that would be a really good way to go about it. But again, further to kind of what Dan was saying earlier, if you think about the timing, I mean, realistically, it would be pretty big stretch to still consider City a playoff team this season. I mean, it's certainly not out of the realms of possibility, but to to start throwing the checkbook around now um, and really looking to kind of bring in those big signings to, you know, finish, say, 10th or something, go on a really good run, is that the wisest, uh, you know, use of, of business resources when you could kind of, you know, trust the current crop? As, as Dan said, I, I think I agree that, I'd be really surprised to see this group go down. I think that they are certainly a mid-table championship side, um, you know, and this morning proved that they, they can mix it with anyone in the division. So whether the right time to go and chase marquee players is this particular transfer window, I'm, I'm not necessarily sure. But, um, you know, it, it certainly would be a, a quick fire way for, for people to continue to jump on the, uh, the optimism train of, of Azure's ownership. Yeah, certainly, and, and I guess Dan, just finishing off on on the on the player point of view, as Logan was saying there, I guess Honeyman's probably the priority for a new contract. Um, I, I we sort of we were even saying yesterday it's sort of a broken record just around the player contract management. It's maybe the most exciting part of the new regime will be player contract management done right. You know, we'll start to see players yeah. re-sign to new deals. We'll start to see extensions for players that that the supporters want to keep around the club rather than seeing them whittle away to nothing and, and leave on free contracts. Yeah, look, the 
the the free contract the, or the letting players leave on a free debacle. Hopefully that that is ended. Hopefully, you know, if if that is all we get out of this new regime, I'll be happy. If it's just contract <laughs> contract negotiations are resolved in a timely and efficient manner, in a way that benefits the club and the fans and the players involved, then that then then I'll be happy. Um, and I think like sort of just to touch on what Logan was saying about players coming in, um, like even a two million, a one million pound signing, a two million pound striker, is is a far cry above uh, you know what we have at the moment. We got Tyler Smith, who we essentially had released from Sheffield. Um, Tom Eaves, who we got on a free from Gillingham. Free, yeah, from Gillingham. Yeah. Magenis, who we just sold, but who we got on a free from Bolton. <laughs> yeah. Like there's there's not been a lot of in actual investment, so anything you know is is going to be better than uh, than nothing essentially. So. Um, I mean, and there's not 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 to, to say there's anything necessarily wrong with a free if it's done right, but I think we've dipped into that market far too frequently um, towards the end of the Alum regime. So, looking forward to to seeing changes in a lot of the way in in our recruitment, in our retention. Um, I, I think it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. But I'm yeah, that's to a it. really good good segue into as I, as I wrap things up here before we head off. Um, I wanted to get from each of you, maybe starting with Logan. If there's one thing that we can see from this new regime over, call it the next six weeks, give him a reasonable amount of time to achieve something, whether it's, you know, an engagement with the supporters trust, whether it's um, a better ticketing scheme, whether it's uh, players, whether it's manager, whatever it is, what's the one thing above all else that you really want to see achieved over the next six weeks? I think it still comes back to kind of what I said at the start. I just think it's actually winning the fans over. I think that, like, you've, you've kind of, in that question, you've alluded to some of the things that, that may actually do that. But what I'd really like to see is, and, and it sounds like Ajun's got that mentality of actually coming in and finding out what the, what the real beef is. I mean, I suspect that the real beef is just the alums in general, like just their presence and, and a lot of the things that they had said to people in the past, people just had adopted that approach as I'm not going to give them my money anymore. And so if Ajun's come in and talked about this approach of wanting to, you know, get the fans and all push in the same direction, we'll, we'll find out what those things are. So it may be the ticketing, you know, scheme. It may be uh, like, uh, you know, a cheaper cheaper ticket price for one day to actually try and fill the fill the MKM. Like, I, I just don't know what that is. Um, but if he listens to the fans and he finds out on the ground from, you know, from the main voices that are in the, the whole supporters groups and the different bodies, I think that's, that would be the the most important thing. And I guess I know that that's, that's number one, but the thing that I would tack onto that is, is some really smart kind of contract uh, thing. So whether it does look like signing Longman, um, extending um, Honeyman's contract, making sure Kane Lewis, uh, KLP stays, if he starts to do a few of those things, I think that'll really support uh, the work that he's doing with the fans. So uh, a combination of those two, if it's not asking too much. Uh, and Dan, what, what, what would you like to see sort of number one in your wish list over the next six weeks? Uh, look, I'll, I'll go real simple. Um, bums on seats in the MKM. That's I think we saw last night or this morning, sorry, with 13,500 supporters, how it can, how it, like it was rocking. You could yeah. hear the chants on the, on the, um, on the stream, on the stream, on, on the um, telecast. So I think, um, you know, 
whether that is, I think Logan alluded to it, cheap cheap ticket days or whatever, you know, uh, whatever that looks like. But building that atmosphere within the stadium, getting it back to, you know, getting the community to co- coming back to the stadium and enjoying those the, the the matches and the game days because I think you know it, everyone's talked about everyone in football has talked about how much of a struggle last year was without any um, supporters in the grounds and how disappointing it was you know for us to win our first league title without any fans around well I think now we've you know we're, we're at that fresh slate time we got to be I, I I really do want to be pushing towards 20,000 you know yeah. for for just a you know 20,000 fans in the stadium for for a match because you look at there are other clubs who are in worse situations than us who are getting you know still able to fill their stadiums so yeah and i think you know and i think that, you know from looking at twitter and facebook and everything all the, everything in, in between you see lots of people who have said as logan alluded to that they just went i'm not going anymore and i haven't gone for 6 years because of the alums but you know, people saying it's the first game they've been to in six years or in 2,000 days or whatever, however they were counting it off. So I think um, I hopefully we'll see a lot of that uh, pre-older fan base return to the, to the MKM and, you know, that bolstered with hopefully, you know, a new Turkish uh, supporter base perhaps um, will, will, you know, boost those those attendance figures and they'll get behind the boys and we'll get some more good results. Well, that's it. I mean, I think there is quite a quite a significant Turkish contingent in Hull, so that's going to be really interesting to see if that sort of attracts new supporters to the ground as well. And and look, I'll, I'll make it all three of us and say bums on seats, filling out the MKM. I think fourteen k or thirteen and a half, whatever it was this morning, I thought sounded amazing on TV. Um, opening the West Upper, getting the whole ground filled out if we can, because it all sort of it all sort of rolls into each other. Like Ajun was sort of saying in terms of pulling in the same direction, if we get a full stadium, if we get a really big sort of attendance starting to turn up at the ground, more players are going to be keen to sign. Players are going to perform better. You look at our performance today against Stoke, it's chalk and cheese, and maybe it's not all down to the supporters, but you can't say that the support that we got this morning didn't play a part in, in the way that the players played um, their game. Um, and then also to borrow from Logan as well, I think, yeah, contract situation, if we start to see... You know, we don't need to see the this, this squad torn down. We don't need to see McCann leave and players kicked out, all that sort of thing necessarily. What I'd rather see is the core being re-signed to longer deals, Longman on a permanent, maybe Baxter on a permanent, maybe getting that core of players identified and given the four or five-year sort of contracts like Greaves and Lewis Potter and Honeyman and Doherty and those sorts of guys will be around and, and McLaughlin will be around for years, hopefully. Um, that sort of positive step in the club would be fantastic. So, look, it's been an exciting start already. 2-0 win against Blackburn. Can't complain with that. Um, it all seems to be off to a pretty perfect start. So, got lots to look forward to ahead of us, I'm sure. But thank you for joining me to discuss it, Logan. Thanks, Alex. Yeah, it's good to be here. No worries. And thanks, Dan, as well. No worries. I just want to point out that Ajun's been to two games for, and they've both had huge, uh, huge performances, huge crowds. So... Yeah, that's why we're going to get into every game. We didn't win against any. (laughs) Felt like a win, even though we lost. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's right. That's right. He's got to get along to every game, I think, from now on. Um, Would be fantastic. But no, um, look, thanks to both of you for joining us. And also thanks to Mike, who joined us briefly. Um, It's a shame he uh, he couldn't stick around for a bit longer, but uh, it was good to have him all the same. And thank you guys for listening along. Um, If you've liked this episode, give us a like, hit subscribe if you haven't already. Let us know your thoughts. What are you excited about with the new regime as well? 
But until next time, come on, City. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast, The Tigers Down Under. For more discussion, join us on Facebook at the Hull City AFC Australia Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Odds. The music was created by Amber Black. There's no turning back cause you're out